A reading from the Gospel according to St. John. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Damien. I'm the senior pastor, and I want to welcome you all. As Ben mentioned, we are in a series in the month of July. It'll actually extend into August, where we're looking at our vision and our mission, but we're really focusing on our mission. And if you look at the handout here, the worship guide, on the front at the top, we put the mission and vision together into a single statement. And I'll read it in a second, but the reason I point that out is we're trying to do a couple of things. One, we want to right up front tell you what we're about here at New City. The other reason is that we want you to see how we think our vision and mission go together. And so our vision is, as Ben has mentioned at least once, maybe twice, to see our communities flourish through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But how will we move toward that? And we think the only way for our communities, that is everywhere we live, learn, work, and play, the only way that those places will see transformation is by churches, not just us, but us included, sending disciples, whole life disciples into those places to be instruments of God's kingdom, to be instruments of God's peace coming into the world inaugurated in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we've been focusing on, whole life discipleship for our callings. Now, I want to put an image up on the screen, and this image is the way that we describe or define a whole life disciple. Okay, because if you're trying to make something, you need to know what you're aiming at. So there are two ways to look at this image behind me. One is as a target. This is what we're aiming at. If we want to make whole life disciples, we want to make disciples who, responding to the love of God in Christ, increasingly pursue communion with God, community with one another, and co-mission for the world. But another way to look at this target that we're aiming at is to look at it like a wheel. So if your car is going to move, if your bicycle is going to move, anything with a wheel, if it's going to move, there has to be a hub at the center that's going to turn that, that whole wheel, right? That's where the power comes from. And so for us, at the very center, communion with God is our very life source. It is the hub that will move us forward in our mission and vision. And that's primarily going to happen through word and prayer in all of its various ways. But like a wheel, like a bicycle wheel, there are spokes that must connect the hub to the tire where the rubber meets the road, right? And we talked about that last week. We talked about community not just being a means to an end, but it's actually part of God's mission. God creating a community, a people of love that love each other and love their neighbors. That is a very part of his mission. And those spokes going forward, connected to that power source, moves us forward in what we call co-mission. That's like the tire. 
where the rubber meets the road. And you'll notice we put co-mission because we want to really emphasize the withness of mission. There is a great commission without the dash, and that denotes authority, right? Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That denotes authority. What we're really trying to get at is the withness. So co-mission is to emphasize that we are sent on mission with God. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today from our passage in John 2021. And if you've been with us, we've been in John every week. We've been walking with Jesus from his final discourse to now after his resurrection. And so if we look at this passage, uh, which we will in a moment, we're going to see the way we describe co-mission. And co-mission is mission with God for the world. So the way I want to walk through this today is I just want to highlight first the word mission and show it to you in the passage. Then I want to take the phrase with God, show it to you in the passage. And then I want to take the phrase for the world and show it to you. Okay, so here we go. First, mission. Now, mission in general is in right now. Cause-based things are in in this generation. Cause, purpose, impact. These are the type of words that you'll hear thrown around all the time. And these are not only common words, but they're also becoming common in places that a generation ago they weren't really common in. And one of those places, for example, would be business. A generation ago, business, it was clear what the purpose was, and it was to make money. It was profit. Well, nowadays it's being questioned and many will say this is because of the millennial generation, right? Now, listen, while many of us have been mocking the millennial generation incessantly for a long time, they've been getting older. And really, I'm a part of that generation. So I can say we've been getting older, right? We've been getting older. So we tend to think of when we say millennials right before we mock them is to say uh, millennials are in their 20s, living in their parents' basement, spending all of their spare money on avocados for avocado toast, Right? That's how we tend to think of millennials, right? Uh, eating brunch together, waiting in line for an hour until it's actually lunch now, so it's not brunch anymore. Right? This is the, the type of thing we think. But if you were born in 1980 to 2000, you are a millennial, which means that if you can be a millennial, could be the president of the United States. And in case you're wondering, you have to be 35 to be the president of the United States. God help us. And so... Millennials uh, are, have been in the workforce for quite some time. Six months ago, I read this article in Forbes online, and this was the title of the article. Millennials want companies mixing mission, which is what we're talking about today, and money. Okay? So I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I'm, I'm, bless his heart, I, I know that he means well, but he's in, clearly a millennial and not in business. But please, stay with me for a second. This is Forbes, not me. So a large survey, both in the UK and the US, concluded that millennials say a company is not successful unless it has a double bottom line, at least a double bottom line. So there must be positive social impact for millennials to say that a business is successful. If a bit, to say for millennials that a business is primarily about making money is like saying that blood is the purpose of being a human being. So here's the connection is that, of course, human beings need blood in order to do what we do in the world, right? But what do we do in the world? We're to love our neighbor, we're to have an impact, all that type of thing. You can't do that without blood. And so the millennial perspective 
in articles like this says that of course a company needs profit. Of course they do, or they won't be able to do what they really exist for, which is to make an impact in the community, right? So this is how it goes, right? And, and the good thing is, is if you have extra blood, you can give it away, right? You can, you can donate it and all these types of things. And the reason I share this illustration is because what they are right about, clearly, is that whatever your mission is, that's success for you. And whatever success is for you should shape the way you make decisions. It should shape the way that you create policy. Or for us, whatever our mission is in life, it should absolutely shape the decisions we make and how we live. And so mission is central to our lives, whether we want to talk about it or not. Mission is core. It's also core to the Bible, and it's core in this passage. If you look in verse 21, Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This word sent, I want you to focus on that. There's a connection between the word sent and the word mission. Of course, there's a, there's a conceptual connection. But the word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which means sent. So at the very heart of mission is sentness, and the very heart of sentness is a goal. Right? A goal is something you will sacrifice for. You'll sacrifice resources. You'll sacrifice comfort and safety to achieve this thing. And it's something that's more valuable then to that person or to that institution. Mission is willing to be sacrificed for. And so anything that you're willing to sacrifice your comfort, your safety, and your resources to achieve, that is a mission of yours. It could be something as crazy, as insane as wanting to run a marathon, right? If you run a marathon, you will sacrifice all three of these things. You know, you're going to sacrifice your time to train. And you might even read books about how to run. And you're going to sacrifice comfort by being willing to run in rain, rain or shine, heat or humidity. You'll sacrifice sleep because you'll get up early so you can get your miles in. You may even hire a coach and spend your resources on a running coach. But you will sacrifice safety as well as you risk injury running way more than the human body was designed to run. The first guy died. I don't know if you know that. It's insane, right? So maybe it's running a marathon. It could be anything. Whatever you sacrifice your resources, your comfort, and your security for, that is a mission to you, and that's where you're aimed. And we see that in the Gospel of John, Jesus was all about mission. In fact, the Gospel of John tells us 40 times that Jesus was sent from the Father. 40 times. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is sort of defined as the sent one, which means if Jesus is the sent one, there must be a sender. So correspondingly, the Father in the Gospel of John is defined as the sender. And so we see that the triune God is described in terms of mission. Uh, One author put it this way, the triune God is the great missionary and his people are called to accompany him in his work of redemption. So you see, when we talk about a mission at New City, this is not something that we are jumping on the bandwagon of because it's the cultural thing to do, to come up with a mission or a mission statement or to be about a cause, right? We're not called to come up with a mission. It's not like God created a church And then he needed to give them a mission so they were busy until the end of time. Give them something to do. No. God is on mission. He's always been on mission. 
And God needed a church for his mission. It's not, it's not that God had a church and needed to give them a mission. It's that God has called us to be a part of his mission. See, when we come to Jesus, we have no choice but to join him in this mission. There, there's no option. There's no option like, I'm a Christian, but not the missional type. I'm a Christian, but not one of those Christians. To follow Jesus is to follow him in mission. And now, depending on your background, this could be good news or this could be bad news, right? Because some traditions have so narrowed mission to one or two things that you're thinking to yourself, well, then really I can only be on mission like 5% of my life, right? Every time I, I proclaim the gospel or I'm reading my Bible with someone else. I don't know. I'm not trying to mock traditions. I'm just saying that this exists and I talk to people who we think that the role of the church then is to create programs for us to spend some of our spare time in the mission of God. When in fact, the role of this community, the role of the church is to equip you to be on mission every second of your life. Everywhere you go. That's what it means to be on mission. Mission is comprehensive. It includes your whole life and it includes the entire cosmos. And what this means is that it's not a moment, a thought, or a decision that you and I make that is irrelevant to the mission of God. Think about that. There's not a moment or a thought or a decision that is irrelevant to the mission of God. A mission is like a GPS destination, right? A GPS is useless until you put a destination in it. Then the thing comes to life, right? So you plug in the destination and then every turn matters, doesn't it? Every single turn. And you may take a wrong turn and what's it gonna do? Recalculating. Why? Because the mission, the destination never changed. Even if you feel right now that your life is aimless, even if you're in a season of confusion and you think, I don't have a mission. Like, I, I don't know what my life is about. I would tell you that what you're experiencing is something like that rerouting feeling. There still is a destination plugged in. You may not know exactly what is next, but you do know what your mission is. The problem is, is that for some of us, that destination that we have plugged in is wrong. The destination that we have plugged in might be comfort. I make every decision in my life to stay comfortable. Or it may be power. It may be authenticity. It may be fun or justice or approval and so on. So in other words, some really good things. There's nothing wrong with anything I said, even power. There's nothing wrong with anything that I said there. But when it is your final destination, that's when things go haywire. So really, when we talk about mission and being on mission or not being on mission, we're not saying, let me say it positively. What we're saying is that it's not that we're complacent in mission, but we may be misplaced in mission. And so my question is, what you are doing in your life right now, is it caught up in the mission of God or is it eclipsing the mission of God? Is the destination that you have plugged into this GPS mainly about the mission of God and everything else falls underneath that? Or is it about your own comfort, approval, 
power in things that I read. You see, that's the very first thing we have to talk about. We have to talk about the fact that mission is core. It's not optional. And we go with Jesus as we go on mission. That's what the Bible teaches us. The second thing that we go to in this phrase is mission with God. Notice here in the passage that after Jesus tells them that he's sending them, just as the Father has sent him, and we'll say more about that in a minute, he says, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it's best to understand this as a foretaste of what would happen when the Holy Spirit was given in Pente- at Pentecost in chapter 2. This is a foretaste. This is, this is parabolic in a sense. And what we learn from this, what's important to see here, is that we are not on a mission for God. We are on a mission with God. Right? Jesus, to say it this way, without Jesus' presence, without his presence, we will not have his power. So we're not on a mission as a church for God, we're with God. And without his presence, we won't have his power. Right? It's, it's not like a relay race. It's not like Jesus is about to leave and he's saying, hey, I'm going to tag you in now. I gave you a really good head start. Don't blow it. It's not like that. In fact, what we see here is that this is one single mission. This is one single action. The great movement of the missionary heart of God sending forth his son into the world, initially through the incarnation, and subsequently through his church. So the one mission of God has two phases. The first is that of the son when he walked on this earth. The second is that of the son in his risen life through his people. You see, this is still Jesus's mission. The apostles were commissioned to carry on Jesus's work, not to begin a new one. Jesus is in our midst as we go forth with him into the world. And so here's the question then for us. Whatever you're doing that you would consider a part of the mission of God, whatever it is, are we trusting in ourselves, or are we trusting in the witness of God? Right? One of the worst things that could happen at New City is if we had merely a really good plan. If we had merely a really good strategy. If we merely had smart people working together to discover the needs of our communities and go pursue them. All that's good to a point. But if we're not going out with God, knowing that the power of the presence of God comes from the presence of God, knowing that we're not, we're not charged with coming up with our own mission and then going to execute, but we are actually being led out in mission by Jesus himself. So that's why we say mission, so at the core of a disciple's life, with God. So what are those areas in your life where you're trusting in yourself? That's like a real question. I mean, no one's to say anything right now, but you should definitely think about it. Because they're there, and they're in my life. And when I really think about them, it's shockingly arrogant. Shockingly. Foolishly. Unimaginably prideful and arrogant. I way overestimate myself every moment of every day. This morning on the way here, I'm running through my, the sermon in my mind. And it wasn't until I was about to put it in park that I thought, 
I should be praying. Now, I did pray this week, okay? I prayed a lot in preparation. But this morning, when crunch time is coming, and I'm walking up here to stand on this stage, I'm just in my own head. Okay, what's the point, this point, this point? The kids are in here, 25 minutes, 25 minutes. <laughs> got to cut this, I got to cut that. I'm editing as I go. And it wasn't until I pulled up and put it in park and said, what do you want me to say now, this morning, to these people? And so when you're walking into that meeting, when you're trying to figure out how to handle the discipline of your child at any age, pause and say, God, this is part of your comprehensive mission. And I cannot succeed without your presence. Because in your presence is your power. And you promised me these things. And so when we say co-mission, we mean mission comprehensively, unequivocally, fundamentally. But which mission? The mission of God, not our own mission, and not on our own. This is not a relay race in which we've been handed off. You guys go. It's with God. And here's the last thing. For the world. For the world. Right? As Jesus is defined by mission, we saw in John, the mission of who? The mission the Father gave him. So the church is defined by its mission to the world because we've been sent into the world. Jesus prays that in John 17. This is John 20. You can go back and read this great high priestly prayer, as it's called, in John 17. So the church is defined by its mission to the world. Right? So for the world, through how? We say through witness and work. It's right there on the screen underneath commission. Primarily through witness and work. I just want to talk about these two things as we move toward the close. Witness. When we think of witness, do you primarily think of what you say? That's certainly a part of it. But you know, especially in the Gospel of Luke and other places in the New Testament, witnessing is not just something we do. It's actually something that we are. It's an identity. It's both. We are witnesses who witness through our life and through proclamation. But when we witness, what are we witnessing to? Well, when we read the Gospel of John, when we read the Gospels, we witness to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom has a king. And what we're witnessing to is we're proclaiming that Jesus is king. And when we proclaim this good news, we're proclaiming a gospel of Jesus as Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, he's Lord of everything. Do you see how this all fits together? You see why the mission of God is comprehensive? Is because the lordship of Christ is comprehensive. Every molecule in the entire universe will be reconciled to its original purpose and design. That's what Colossians 1 says. Everything, all things are reconciled to the blood of the cross. So when we proclaim Jesus, we can't proclaim a gospel of sin management. Because if we do, that's not the gospel of lordship. Because if Jesus is Lord, he's Lord of all. So we proclaim the gospel of whole life discipleship. It's actually worse than Jesus wanting you to give up your bad habits. He actually wants your entire life. So we should just start there. Don't ease into that. And don't ease into it in your discipleship either. Or my discipleship. You know, um, I was with a friend yesterday and we were at his house and we were talking about lots of things. And one of the things we talked about was this brand new awesome sermon illustration he gave me. And he talked about uh, there are these bushes uh, at his house. And like many of our 
uh, shrubbery in our houses, there are these weeds that grow in it. And he spent a lot of time, almost like a long time, hours and hours, pulling these things down. And you know what happens two weeks later, they come back. And so he's curious as to, like, how do I actually get rid of these things? And so someone's at his house who knows uh, more than he does about it. And he says, let me show you. And they get on their hands and knees and he digs it up. And he says, that thing right there, you got to get rid of those. But the thing is, is he can't just pull it out. It takes more than simply pulling this one thing out. And he, he, he lays out this whole plan, this invasive plan where you need a backhoe with a certain instrument to get this thing out. And then you might, you might not have this weed come back. But you know, there's something else on the other side of this is that you could also go about it another way. You could just trim the shrubs regularly and you'll never, ever know. And some of us spend our life like that, don't we? We spend our life as disciples of sin management, where we just sort of keep it trimmed, keep it cool on the outside. And I look at you and I think, man, that person's godly. But we never deal with the root. We never get to the core and we hide and we move back and we pull back. So when we proclaim something, do not with me, please with me to one another or to the world, proclaim a gospel of sin management. Jesus goes to the core and he does invasive work. Jesus is Lord of all and he's saving all and he's saving all of us. And it will take a lifetime to understand exactly what that means. One step at a time from one degree of glory to another. So the Christian then proclaims not sin management, but that Jesus is the risen Lord of all things. And so we acknowledge now as our identity as witnesses that we are apprenticing him in our whole life. Right? Dallas Willard has this great thing. He's not about what would Jesus do. He thinks that's, you know, we really don't know. But what he does say is that what would Jesus do if he were me? That's a different question. Because you do know you. What would it look like for me to apprentice Jesus? That's all following Jesus is apprenticing him. Taking one step at a time after him. What would it look like for us to apprentice Jesus in every area of our life? That's the identity of witness. And the last thing here is work. And I won't go into all of this because I could talk about this for too long. Work is, bottom line, the primary way you love your neighbor. It just is. There's no other way. You could argue prayer. I could, I could, I could see that. But I'm still going to argue work is the primary way you love your neighbor. It, it, you don't have to get paid for this work, right? It could be parenting. It could be serving your neighbor by volunteering, by going over and helping them move when they, when they pull up, like we had neighbors pull up across the street recently and move in to our, new, our neighborhood. Every way you work, everything you do is to love your neighbor. Here's the problem. The reason we fail to love our neighbor in our work is because oftentimes we make our work about us. And even if it's parenting, parenting becomes about us, not our children. Right? It's like, well, these kids better behave because that's gonna look good on me or bad on me. Right? That's like actually not the purpose of parenting at all. Okay, so, so if, the, if it's there, of course it's in our job, right? I wanna execute, not for God or the good of my neighbor, but for me, because I want a reputation. Dorothy Sayers has this amazing article, look it up, it's on work, and she has this great phrase. She talks about the difference between, um, oh goodness gracious, serving the work or the work serving you. What's the difference? If you serve the work, what's the purpose of the work? Your neighbor's good. 
So if you serve the work, whatever that is, you're loving your neighbor. But as soon as it gets twisted and you need your work to serve you, your neighbor gets cut out. And you're working for an identity. I need this for me. Instead of working from your identity in Christ where you're already received by him. And so God is sending us because he's a sending God. He's sending us in our witness and work to bear witness to him in both places. And there is a mission of God because God loves. The mission of ascending God is a mission of sending from love. We see this clearly in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. The starting place of mission is God's eternal love with salvation as God's disposition for humankind and the cosmos. Listen to this commentator. He says, people who are to be sent out need someone to send them. They need a message to take. They need a power and an authority to back the message. They need someone to whom they may turn when they are in doubt and in difficulty. Without Jesus, the church has no message. Without him, it has no power. Without him, it has no one to turn to when up against it. Without him, it has nothing to enlighten its mind, to strengthen its arm, and to encourage its heart. This means that the church in every way is dependent upon Jesus. So if you ever hear us talk about mission in any way in this church, and Jesus is not at the center, call us out. We must be dependent on him, and there is no one else better to be dependent on. There is no better sacrifice to trust in. Remember, mission requires sacrifice, but not your sacrifice, not my, my sacrifice. You see, the mission is not our mission, it's God's mission. So therefore, it's not built on our sacrifice. It's actually built on Jesus' sacrifice. We don't trust in our own sacrifice to find a place in this mission. We trust Jesus' sacrifice and he gives us our place in this mission. So if you walk out of here beating yourself up for not being on mission, not having the right destination in your GPS, know this, he won't be impressed by your sacrifice. Don't trust in your own sacrifice. Don't go back to the drawing board to figure out how you can sacrifice more, not first, not centrally. Turn your eyes, turn your affection, trust in his sacrifice. And it's there that you'll find freedom and a place in this mission. Everywhere he sends you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would continue to teach us what it means to follow you. Uh, Continue to teach us what it means to be your apprentices in our whole life. Tomorrow morning at this time, we will both go out as witnesses and bear witness through proclamation and our work, wherever we are. Help us serve, but help us not need the work to serve us. We want to serve you in our work because you served us in your finished work, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.